Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman and this is episode 61. I had a conversation with Phil Judd, um, a li- you know, a living legend in my book and, and, a, and a hero of mine since I was really young. I, I listened to Split Ends when I was, I've got a memory of listening to Split Ends from about the age of four and once that music got into my head it just never left and I followed Phil Judd through, you know, I love the band Schnell Fenster, for example. I really love them, and uh, and obviously the Swingers and his solo albums. And to get to talk to him was really special for me. We've we've uh, we've talked before. We've done a couple. I've done a couple of phone interviews with him, um, but I, you know, didn't know if he'd want to do the podcast. And I asked him about it a while ago. Sort of um, asked if he would do it with no real plans to actually be able to record him or meet him just 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 in theory hoping that he would be open to it and he wrote back to me and said yep you know I think we can probably make that happen and uh, so when the opportunity uh, was created and I got to go and see him um, yeah I was really really thrilled so we talk through his career we talk about his painting we talk about his art his music um, we go through the early split ends talk about the Schnellfenster stuff he has a brand new album out um, which is really great I think and uh, and so we talk about that and you'll you'll hear some of that music um, and in the show notes you can go to Phil's site his Bandcamp page if you're interested in seeing you know because I feel like p- people here have sort of forgotten about him he's been living in Aussie for 35 years or more so I sort of feel like he's been a little bit forgotten perhaps and uh, yeah I don't want to say too much more because uh, this was quite an emotional conversation for, for both of us, I think, um, and uh, and it felt really, really special. So I hope you like it. This is me talking to uh, one of our greatest uh, songwriters and one of our greatest artists, Phil Judd. Walking down the road, hedged with roses, time stands still forever. I'm wondering if we start a little bit with the new album. And then go and then go backwards because I've just, as you know, I've just reviewed it and I really liked it. it uh, but it's been around for a few months. How long did? Um, when did you start working on it? What were your sort of aims with it? And and how long did it take? And uh, I only took a couple of years this one. I've kind of been on a roll since uh, since I did Play It Strange. Yeah. And um, once you're on a roll, you're on a roll. So um, I was tuning out stuff. Yeah. And um, and Play It Strange was um, was great, but it was a, a kind of a revisitation of some old and earlier things. There's no intent behind anything I do. Like it's just <laughs> I just what, what I what mean pops was, out. Sure, what pops out. I just wondered if that was like a kind of clearing of the decks for Unique, which is all all new material. Did like did it create a Desire to write again, or uh, you know, a, a signing no, off. On I'm a constantly writing. I, 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 we're here in my studio, which is yeah. up the back from my house. But I always have acoustic guitars sitting around the house, and I'm forever uh, watching TV, playing the guitar, and that's where I come up with most stuff. Is not even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, rather than being here, actually, you know. Um, is it is it usually a musical phrase or a, a connection to the guitar that sparks something, or will you actually sit down yes, and write a line? Or, in me. Yeah. Yeah. And then nutting it out, yeah. called structure-wise. Yeah. Uh, Melody's always there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I've talked to um, someone else who told me that, uh, a fan of yours who, who, who believes that Unique is 
the best thing you've done. And um, I believe that there are at least two or three songs on there that are, you know, not not to rank things, but are certainly up there with the very best things you've done. Do you walk away from a from a project like that, from a new album, and go, yeah, this is really, you know, this particular song is really fucking good, or this? No, no, I just sound like, like anybody. I get feedback, and um, uh, thank God it's always different feedback. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. What one yeah. track does to somebody that somebody hates. Yeah. You, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you know. Yeah. Um, you can never tell yeah. what's going to hit the yeah. hit the vein. Yeah, yeah. And 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 but you felt you obviously felt something around the idea of grouping these songs together and putting them out. Like there's you know like it isn't so much that it's any particular concept or any thread of an album. It's a bunch of songs, but you wanted to see them realised in this shape. Uh, yeah, look, I, I can't explain it, Simon. It's just uh, you know when I start on the song, it just it, it's its own little beast, and mm. I, and I and I flog it until it's done. Turns into a shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I never have any particular uh, objective. Yeah. Should I put you know apart from obviously what the lyrics about or whatever. Um, but um, the the next the next album I'm going to get. I've been for years now because I uh, because of the way I record in here as a one man band sort of set up. Mm. Um, I have a collection of uh, drum samples and CD stuff and I do all the drum tracks and mm. play the bass and do all that stuff. But the next album I've written, I pretty much wrote as a flow of 10 or 11 songs in the house on acoustic. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, use an American guy, the guy that played drums on Play It Strange, the song. Yeah, yeah. And my friend Nathan is going to play bass. And, um, yeah. and I want to actually make it... Give it an identity like it's a band. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm going to keep all my guitar stuff really basic. Kind yeah. of go back to the swingers kind of yeah. stuff. Not in terms of the songs, but um, the instrumentation and the and approach. Instrumentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. A bit so, more raw. Yeah. So when I first talked to you, it was on the phone, and it was quite a few years ago now. It was a, I, I feel like it was in 2009, so about eight years ago. And we had a big long chat about. Oh, it would have been t- 2011, actually. No, that was for the book. I talked oh, to you one okay. time before that, and I reckon I reckon it was yeah, two thousand and nine, and I bugged you for about two hours, and we, and we talked right through kind of your career to that point, and um, you told me at that point that you had you know hopefully one more album in you or something, and you've done two since then. So clearly you've you've been bitten by the bug at least enough to. Yeah, well, it's keeping me sane. Yeah, um, that's all there is to it, you know. Being in my mid sixties now, um, it's it's, I, you know, I wake up in the morning and go, Jesus Christ, I've got a bloody nicely set up little studio out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can I can do it. Like yeah. it's, I've got everything. Uh, and I go through the same conflicts of uh, crisis, crisis, and confidence, and confidence and that everybody does. Yeah, and uh, have days when I just cannot face walking up here and getting started, but. Um, but just knowing that this this is here, this is a you know a hangover from when I did TV and film music. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've still got the same gear I had then, even. Um, but um, and it's just a wonderful privilege to be able to yeah. make a CD, put out a CD without yeah. anybody, no record company, no bullshit. Yeah. Okay, I don't sell a million copies, but those that I do sell are to people who genuinely who like people what who, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's wonderful. To yeah. Me, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when you know. Let, let's let's go back then to and I mean I've asked you some of this stuff before but um, I want to go back and revisit a little bit about um, 
you just told me before you've lived here in, in Australia for 30, over 35 years, but you grew up in, in the Hawke's Bay in New Zealand. And I want to know a little bit about how you, you kind of found the world of music um, before you what, what moved to Auckland and connected with, with Tim and created Split Ends. I want, well, to, I want to talk a little bit about your earliest connection with music, if you can remember. Yeah, um, well, for a start, re- referencing Tim and Neil to the environment they grew up with, they grew up from when they were pooping themselves and making music, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, me, I grew up with wacky parental tastes. My parents yeah. grew up uh, they met each other doing stuff. a Ham- Hamilton Light Opera Society right. uh, post-war yeah. um, uh, singing um, Gilbert and Sullivan yeah, stuff. Right. and I used to get taken along as a toddler to variety shows and all the old time stuff and that's where I get all that vaudeville reference yes. stuff from and obsession with yeah. um, I love all that stuff yeah. uh, so it I was keeps making its t- way into your like it keeps. It's yeah, a, but it it's is not, a bit of a threat. It is. It is a purely uh, intuitive. Yes. Come about. It's not. It's not like a contrived. I was going to say. Go, it's not oh, a I'm going to write a song yeah, yeah, that's yeah. waterbilly chord yeah. structure. It just somehow it just seems to happen. Um, mm, mm. So, um, and I went through my teenage years not really interested in pop music. You know, the Beatles and stuff were happening. In '66, I started high school. So you know, that was sort of. Rubber Soul, Revolver kind of era. My yeah. brothers were into it, and I, would, I, I potentially, whatever my brothers were into, I hated. <laughs> you avoided, yeah. And so the first <laughs> sort of band I really liked was the Kinks. Yeah. Um, I've just been revisiting them. I got the this mono box set of the first ten albums, and it's like, what you know, I've always liked them, but from when I, whenever I first heard them, but Jesus, those albums are amazing. Yeah. They really, They're very you know, patchy, though. Yeah, 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 but the best <laughs> stuff on them is... Uh, um, I went e- through a phase five, six, seven years ago of actually buying a whole lot of stuff, those bands, the Trogs, Vanilla yeah. Fudge, yeah. Uh, the Turtles and yeah. stuff, and you kind of, your memories are sort of... That's are, right. are, are typically romantic. Sometimes the greatest hits is exactly right for and a reason. the rest with, of it yeah. is absolute crap, Garbage, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the Kinks were a bit... I think the Kinks... Their albums these are pretty good though. The first, the first dozen. Yeah, well, that, that period. And some of them are amazing. That, that yeah. period of, um, yeah. I mean, what a joy to be a teenager from '66 to '70, um, yeah. and be able to sort of digest all that wonderful stuff. And I actually, my first t- memory of getting spine tingling. Do you remember Peter Sinclair and the yes. uh, yeah, top? Yeah. You know, in those days, all you had was listening in mono on a stereogram at mm. mum and dad's and mm. uh, it was Saturday night or something and it was like top ten. Mm. That mm. was it, you mm. know. Mm. And, uh, and hearing Whole Lot of Love. Yeah. That just had, at the end of that, I was just sitting there going, what the fuck was that? You yeah. know, like particularly that middle, the breakdown. I was going to say, it's such a weird sound collage. It had an do- yeah. incredible impact on me. Just mm. thinking that that's... that's Kind of, I like where that's what that's doing. You know, I like mm. the effect that that has. You know, it it's um yeah, it's like a kind of art installation yeah. within a song, yeah. like a sonic art installation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, where did the well? Okay, so when you were when you were went a kid, to uni, yeah, wasn't into music really. No more than the average guy, not mm. obsessed with music, not mm. sort of not following playing, stuff, not, yeah. not buying, blah yeah. blah. Uh, staying at a at a country boy hostel, university hostel, and uh, a rock hostel in centre of yep. Auckland, and um, and you're at university to do what? Fine art. Yeah. So I was going to say you're already. Tim Tim was there doing just uh, arts. 
yeah. doing English and history, I think he was doing. Yeah. Um, and I overheard him and Rob Gillies playing, and the, there was a music room there with the piano, and they'd go down there and play and sing stuff and that. And I kind of went along and just sort of sat in, couldn't play anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was the beginning of it all, really. And I started thinking, oh, you know, this could be fun, you know. <laughs> I went off and bought a cheap acoustic guitar and took it home and, and, and instead of, like most sensible people, uh, learning or how to play all their favourite songs, I didn't buy, I bypassed all that. Mm. <laughs> I just started fiddling around and... Finding your own way into... I made into my it. own open tunings and, like, most of Mental Notes is all written in open tunings that mm. I made up. Mm. And uh, that's how that happened, really. Just wow. So you're there at university to do fine arts, so when do you... As a kid, when do you discover that you are able to draw, paint, create, uh, make? Is that just something that... Obs- obsessive uh, neurotic thing with uh, detail, unfortunately, um, and realism, just getting everything perfect and it being just like what it looks like kind of yeah. attitude. I remember being a little toddler uh, at my parents' uh, bedroom door, lying on the ground, drawing a, uh, a night with... Um, Chainmail, yeah, and, and doing every and, and not being a kid who'd do like twelve <laughs> or twenty-four chainmail circles. Yeah, mine had hundreds. Right, know, wow, like the real thing, and that was the beginning. That's my first memory of going. You know, <laughs> so, wow. So you you mentioned to me before we started recording about living inside your own head and being quite happy there. I mean, a kid who a little kid who draws. 500 links of chainmail yeah. or whatever is 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 already in that state of living in their own head in yeah. some degree, right? From the first, my first memories, I always wanted to be an artist, a painter. Yeah. And uh, right through school, uh, that was all my total focus, and I neglected everything else. And uh, even at, when I started high school, they 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 recognised that the headmaster at the Hastings Boys High recognised that I kind of had talent and just let me sort of go through school, just being an art room kid. Yeah. And just giving me pass marks for everything else. But you know, go and do your stuff in the art room, Phil. We yeah. know that you're going that's, to. That's where you shine, that's what you're into. Yeah. So I was lucky uh, in that, uh, to that extent. Yeah, so. yeah. So you just described, well, I was going to say arguably, but not even arguably, uh, the birth of New Zealand's most iconic band as being you overhearing a couple of guys making music in the university's hall situation and you with no real practical music experience deciding to just drop in and join in. Yeah, before I knew it, without any conscious decision, I just started writing stuff, ideas started popping in the head, lyrics and stuff, and I'd never considered writing lyrics, like the whole concept was foreign to me. Yeah. But suddenly it just sort of happened, because t- um, Tim and Mike Chun would come and they'd play sometimes, and they, they formed during that year they formed a, a covers band and played you know some of the uni type gigs mm, playing mm. Elton John and Leon Russell and that sort of stuff and I was kind of like why are you doing that you yeah. know like why don't you do something of your own kind yeah. of thing and um, and before I knew it I was sitting there playing stuff in front of Tim and Tim was sort of like what the fuck are you doing you know and like that's good that's good that's good and yeah. Tim would start joining in and that's you know yeah 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 the bond bonding happened and you form, I guess, I mean, you write songs on your own, but you also, and, and, and Tim was or is, has written songs by himself, but you guys form a songwriting partnership in a sense too. And I guess there's, you know, do you have, do you have memories around how, yeah, that, well, how that facilitated Tim, itself? Tim could sing. He'd been brought up to sing. Yes. You know? 
Um, and same with Neil. They've both been brought up singing their whole lives. I didn't have a clue what singing was. Yeah. You know. So um, how did you arrive at your... I, I, voice would, I would write something like, you know, say yeah. an early one, like Time for a Change. Yeah. You act as though you were a blind man who's yeah. crying. I would sing it like that. And Tim would go, you would act as though <laughs> you were. Yeah. 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 Make it pretty. Yeah. He, can, he can actually sing. Yeah. You know. yeah. Act as though you were a blind man who's crying. Crying about all the virgins that are dying. He would beautify it. Yes. He would make the m- melody move around. Yeah. Um, so you know that was all cracker. I mean, that, and so that song there—that's like a a kind of a torch ballad that these I don't know young, not quite punks, but these young young hooligans, these these young art school knockabouts have put together. And it stands now to, and maybe at the time even, but it stands now as some sort of, almost in like a torch ballad tradition. Got no idea. <laughs> but uh, Miles and me, I'm doing a definitive version of it, the way it was written, just acoustic guitar and violin, you know, yeah. the solo at the end yes. that Wally ended yes. up playing? That, that, yeah. that was written by Miles. For and, the, uh, for the violin. When visit next, we're going to nail that. And, and re-record that. Yeah, with some real vocals. <laughs> <laughs> Not too pretty. No. <laughs> So when you, when when does take me through like from there to God? I mean, what happens next? This this band originally is called Split Ends um, ENDS. It changes to Split Ends uh, NZ, which is what everyone knows now. Yeah, it's funny how all that. It's funny how I mean, it was magic. The yeah. whole the whole thing was magic, and I don't believe in in, in magic or any of that crap. Crystals and, you've, and you've horoscopes this, and you've stuff. Got this. But it was magic. The way everything fell into place. Our very first gig, you know, like Barry Coburn was there, mm. and he goes, "Oh, gee, you guys have got something." Like, can I sign you up? You know, yeah, like, yeah. it was uh, every kid's dream. Yeah, yeah. And um, and, and even so, things like the name of Spread Ends, you know, because uh, Noel was uh, dyslexic. Right, yeah, yeah, right. And that's how he would write Split Ends. He would write ends with the Z. It wasn't yeah, yeah. We attach the iconography to that afterwards and say this is, you know. And you go, oh, what a this is representative of this. in New yeah. Zealand, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, but that was all coincidental. Yeah, right. Which again is part of this magic yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are what, 19, 20, 21 around this time, and you've got, I mean, the band sprawls out to over half a dozen members. It's various people at different times, but it's quite a big lineup for a while, and it has kind of weird instrumentation. You know, it has saxophones, but it's not a jazz or a blues or anything. Thing like that has violin. Yeah, but that was because we were just mates, you mm, know. Mm. Rob happened to play sax and he was at art school with Noel and mm, me. And, mm. uh, you know, Noel joined because he hung out with us. Or, yeah. what the fuck can I do, Noel, for, you know? <laughs> and uh, we thought, just stand there and look like Noel and you'll do just fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Which is what he did, and he brought um, his personality into it through. To begin with, the costuming yeah. and the, the sort of aesthetic, right? The design. The, spoon, the spoons the, actually the spoons. to break a myth. Yes. I, I actually could play spoons because my father taught me how to play the spoons. Right. And I won't say that I taught Noel how to play the spoons, but let's just say it rubbed off. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he, I mean, he eventually becomes the drummer after a, for yeah, a, for which a was bit. Yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But th- that just proves to me one of the beliefs I have in life is that you know perseverance and dedication and belief is everything. You know, yeah, you yeah. don't necessarily have to have that skill. Be yeah. natural, naturally yeah. good at it. If you really believe you can do it, you'll do it. Mm. 
Now, you told me again, before we were recording today, you told me that, sort of reminiscing about it, that one thing you recognised in yourself was that you've never been a performer as such, an entertainer, uh, you know, a front person. Well, uh, on stage, yeah. I, I've always loved doing the videos and scripting the yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love being a, a performer in front of camera. That's an imaginary world again, but other right? Pe- people are often the other way around. Yeah, They're great yeah. on stage, but they kind of freeze in front of cameras, whereas yeah. I was kind of the other way around. But that's because you get to play a role and it's an imaginary world and it's disappearing into the actual art of it, which is yeah. your, you know. But you also don't have to focus on your playing. True, true. Yeah. So uh, was it? I was going to say, was it that? Was it just enough for you to be able to do it on stage that it just didn't come naturally to do that other stuff or it was too hard to concentrate on well, what you doing? Well, I was or? always just the guitarist, mandolinist kind of dude in the background, you know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a lot required um, yeah. until, say, we did a video of Spellbound or um, Titus or mm. something where I actually had to start thinking about performing and what I wanted to do. And that came, I became sort of the, the dark... Man, yeah. counter to Tim's frivolity, and, yeah, 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 um, and that all worked well. Yeah. Right? yeah, but I've been cast as that dark man ever since. Yeah, it seems one of the one of the sort of stories that people know about connecting you with the early split ends is is this tale of stage fright, of of uh, uncomfortable, you know, well, lack of comfort on stage or whatever. That's fifty fifty true, but yeah. Um, one must, in hindsight, uh, put put the fact clear that I, w- I wasn't actually diagnosed as being bipolar until 1991. Mm. You know, I was um, knocking 40. Mm. And I'd gone through all those years behaving, you know, up and down, yo-yoing, not knowing not what knowing. the fuck was going on. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else did. Everybody was just like, oh, Phil's having one of his moods having or whatever. Having a bad day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and hence I would turn, I'd be so black that I would sometimes turn my back to the audience because I couldn't handle... Couldn't deal with it. Couldn't yeah, deal yeah. with it. Yeah. And it was nothing about being a bad person. And it was nothing about people not giving you support. They didn't yeah, know because you didn't know. And, but, you know, what happens is when you're in a band, people like Tim or whatever would take it personally. Yeah, right. When it had nothing to do with them mm. at all. Mm. And... Uh, but the essence of it is, is that I loved playing live. You know, mm. I think the early swingers' first couple of years proved that. I yeah. just loved playing live. We went for it, and we were bloody good. You know, yeah. like um, not not a great uh, rapport with the audience, but um, fuck that. You yeah. know? Dylan can do it. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you reduce your role in split ends, or your role is reduced. Is it you that says, I want to take a back step to this and just be a... I mean, at one point, as I understand it, you're essentially a songwriter in the band that you helped to start, but you're yeah, not... Yeah, and then I kind not, of would, I would go into a, a black funk, yeah. and I would just sort of like, just errantly, just sort of say, oh, I can't handle this, guys, I'm leaving the band, you know, and mm. then two or three weeks later I'd say, oh, can I come back, you know, when right. I was back in my and other... so that's these swings that, that you don't know nah, about. Had no idea yeah. what was going on. Yeah. Unlike today, where it's, it's patently obvious when somebody's behaving yes. strangely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that explains a lot of, of the Phil Judditis that went on in those days. <laughs> yeah, OK. So the band goes to the UK to try and crack yeah. it. And that is... When we came to Oz in 75 and recorded Mental Notes, the real harsh reality of being in the music business sort of really hit me. And um, I I I was married and I was the only one, Chum did about a year later, had a baby, I had a toddler. Uh, And 
uh, I wasn't given any more money to live on. We were given like minimum per diems and stuff to live mm, on. And mm. I actually had called a band meeting one day saying, can I just have like 10 bucks more because I've got a wife and a baby to feed? And yeah. that was the day that I learned that everything isn't as it should be. Yeah. Uh, because the band quorum said, no, yeah. Phil. Yeah. It's your bed, sleep in it. Yeah. So, you know, that's 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 when I started realizing how harsh things can be yeah and uh and then we did a big tour of australasia from england after we recorded second thoughts to promote it and we were away for three months and i lost the plot because i was getting ringing my missus every two weeks to see how she was back in england with amy my toddler mm. and uh, they were literally eating porridge and baked beans and starving and i would just bawl my eyes out and break down and uh, it affected my performance, and again, everybody in the band took it personally, particularly mm. Mr. Tim. Mm. And uh, that sort of was the nail in the coffin of that relationship, really. Mm. It was all about my um, family, not about the band. The band, yeah. Which most people who do any time in a band talk about this that the analogy is that a band is a kind of family. So you're stuck between the decision with two families or something. Like you're going, you know, actually. Yeah, I know. But, but to you, it's a clear cut. I mean, it's we're talking the, the reality of your wife and daughter literally having nothing to eat. So, yeah, that's what I say. So, it's a, so it's a clear cut case of what has to come first. And, yeah, yeah. And I had to leave. This is when you definitively leave the band? I left, and then Tim came to visit me. I was given Mushroom Gadinsky, who was a mm. great man at the time in terms of helping me and believing in me. He said, um, oh, we'll, we'll look after you for a year in the UK, we'll rent you a place to live, and you can write and see what you come up with. Yeah. And Tim ah, came so this down. So this is my understanding of you and the band as a songwriter, yeah. yeah. And Tim, this is 77. Yes. And Tim came down to visit, and we kind of kissed and made up, uh, and uh, getting along hunky-dory, and I played him a couple of songs just sitting there with the acoustic, and so I played him Play It Strange, actually, mm, mm. And, he, and he was pretty chuffed with it. Yeah. And he went back and spoke to the manager and the other guys, and they, they decided to ask me back. And um, it wasn't me saying, can I come back? They actually asked me back. Yeah. And uh, unbeknownst to me, it meant getting rid of Rob Gillies, which I... Just to this day, I kind of, well, I don't hate myself for, but I just don't like that, it. Yeah, yeah. That was not your understanding of it, and then that happened. Yeah. And and, you, yeah. uh, and Neil came over and, and joined at the same time. And, and Neil he's, and a teen- I, he's a teenager still. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, 18 or something. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and Neil, of course, had his connected splittings almost from the start because not only is he Tim's younger brother, but he was your opening act yeah. on, on more than one yeah. occasion as this, like, 14-year-old, right? Yeah. And he's like a boy genius, yeah. really. And um, and they learned a whole bunch of the songs I'd written uh, during that year away, but they just didn't click. Mm. And Neil and I got on fine, but it was just patently obvious that the relationship between Tim and me, we just didn't talk and hang out anymore. It was yeah. just gone. Yeah. Um, just sitting around, having a few beers and playing acoustic together, it just didn't happen anymore. And so I just thought, no, I'm, this is it, I'm out of here, I'm going back to New Zealand. Was his, do you think, his drive was such that he could, you know, because it strikes me that he was very, from about that time, 76, 77, he was very forward thrust with Split Ends to the point where... Well, he became his own identity. He yeah. became his own... He actually learned who he was as a musician. Like, he, 
he, I won't say I taught him how to write songs, but I gave him the confidence to actually, he yeah. started going off and playing on the piano in the house we were renting and he'd yeah. be coming up with, starting to write yeah, his yeah. own stuff. Yeah, rather than finishing things off yeah. or adding things. Yeah, he was actually... which I mean, I got no problem with what no. whatsoever, but that's where he kind of had in his mind. And once Neil was there, they became like the Finn cohort. They became, it became a thing mm. um, that you couldn't fight against. But they struck, me, they struck me that they were quite competitive against one another, yeah, even to this day. for them. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. As songwriters, they were quite competitive, you know. Yeah. Neil obviously has this overt gift, and older brother has to compete with that. Yeah, well, we all have. <laughs> so, 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 when do you definitively leave Split Ends? Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. So after after Does Rhythmia comes out, or around the time of that? Before. Before, right? Okay. So we were all sitting in our bums in the UK with no, getting no work. Uh, uh, things were looking pretty grim. In fact, I think they just applied for a grant from New Zealand to survive yeah. for a few yeah, months. Yeah. And um, again, I, my family situation just became so critical that I had to go home. And lots of things are going on. I mean, Chun pulls out of the band around this time too, well, right? Same time as yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. So it's quite an upheaval. And there's and there's the famous stories of, you know... Um, and it was nothing to do with personalities. So I've got to stress mm, that. It was, mm. it was never any great... Animosity, you know, like, yeah, I took a swing at Tim backstage at Atlanta, but I intentionally didn't hit him, you know, yeah, yeah, I didn't hit him hard or anything. It was just sort of like a token thing. He was jabbing me in the chest, and yeah, you know, it was all very sort of um, punk, yeah. <laughs> and well, Chun leaves, uh, he has a, a different set of circumstances, but a similar thing to you in a way, right? An undiagnosed mental illness is plaguing him, and a wife and kid, and a wife and kid, yeah, yeah separate from that, yeah. Yeah. And you know, so, some people, some guys can handle being away from their wife and kid. They love it, <laughs> but uh, some of us just couldn't. You know, being away for more than two or three weeks was just unbearable. So you come back to New Zealand, back to New Zealand, straight onto the dole. Yeah. Going and are you the, thinking that's it for me with music? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Paint. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm, I'm going to paint. I'm going right to, into the world of painting. Yeah, I'm going to paint, get a job, survive, yeah. look after the family, and in my spare time, start painting. And, and I'm quite happy with that. And, and what steps take place along that path? Uh, well, I got again. The magic happened. I got lucky. I went into the Dole office, and the the girl that um, interviewed me was like a ex uni student, intelligent, you know, knew the arts, knew who I was. And said, "Oh, gee, Phil, you know, I I got to help you out here." And she got me a job as assistant photographer because I've been doing photography since I was fourteen, fifteen. Had mm. my own camera and darkroom, mm. and uh, and she got me a job as assistant photographer at the Auckland City Art Gallery. And I go there and I meet people like Dean Buchanan, mm. who's gone on to do great things, and a lot of artists and people. Basically, I became part of a oeuvre, a mm. sort of a a scene. Not that I'm that kind of guy, but I became. There was mm. people around, mm. and um, and then I bumped into Buster and hey Buster, what you're doing? And you know, I da da da, I'm playing playing in this band. We wear swastikas and shit, and I say fuck you, you know, like yeah. what the hell are you doing that for? Oh, it's cool, man. You know? I said no, it's not. And um, I I go and hear them playing, and I spot Bones' bass playing just shines far yeah. better than any of the other bass players around at the time. And um, and Buster was a good drummer, just a unique drummer, not a brilliant technician, but a good original, solid, solid yep. 
grooves and he had yeah. his own way he had his own way on the kit a bit like Noel yeah and um, and that just all happened over pretty quickly as far as I can recall when did this formally become the swingers uh, you say pretty quickly well I'd only been back four or five months right okay and um, I said, you know, come on, let's get a rehearsal room and let's go and jam. We'll just play together, just the three of us, see, you know, see what we came up with. And bang, again, magic happened. You know, just songs just poured out. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I had to do a bit of talking to Buster and Bones about the whole, my approach to the business as such. And, and the day they wanted, as soon as we had like eight or nine songs, they wanted to go out there and be somebody. And I said, no, 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 we're learning 20, 25 songs and we're going to be able to play them backwards and we're going to be bloody good. And we did, we rehearsed for nearly six months yeah. before yeah. we were going out and playing live. Yeah. And when we did, that was it. We were able, we actually all quit our jobs and we actually survived going up and down the country playing live. So how, the Swingers is only around for, what, three Three or four years tops, three years? Three years tops. Couple of records. 96 songs. Yeah, I was going to say, heaps of songs and heaps of live shows. And it's at one of those live shows or at a sound check is it, that you guys are jamming around and you, you come up with one of the songs that people yeah, best, as we best often know did, you for. Because, you know, like we, we were always pressed for time. I would always insist on like doing sound check and sitting up early mm. in the afternoon so that we could play for a couple of hours yeah. wherever we were. And we'd always have a bit of a jam, bit of a play, and Bones started doing dum 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 dum, and then I went tink 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 tink, and yeah. then I started writing the chord pattern under his riff, yeah. and then I came up with it, you know, look at the da da da, and it just all happened very quickly. Yeah. And uh, the the sound guy out the front, I remember vividly him sort of dancing around, and I had never seen that before at any of our gigs. Somebody just instantly wanting to dance, and. I knew right then that that song kind of had a, a, a happy vibe. It still has it. that effect on people. That, you still um, put it on. I've DJed it. I've played it, and people basically lapse into that same kind of yeah. dancing that I know yeah. you're describing. Yeah. So um, you know that just that just again happened. Yeah. But um, but again because you know we made the effort. You know, if, if we were just a typical band and just rolled up, ho-hum, sound check, boring, go home, have dinner, mm. go to the gig, you know, let's not bother. Um, I still believe it's through the sort of uh, sense of discipline. Now, I'm too young to to know anything about the swingers apart from counting the beat on the radio as a song that becomes part of my life as I grow up like it, like it does for a lot of people in New Zealand and, and even in Australia. Um, but so I hear all these different stories. I know I know Split Ends, and I know who you are, and I know that there's a connection between the two that you've come from Split Ends to the Swingers. But um, my m- stories from there that people have told me, I ask one person, they say they saw the Swingers play. They're a rubbish band that you needed to play live. Someone else tells me best best live band New Zealand ever had, and that you showed no signs of stage fright, and that so are you still having these? I guess up, ups and downs, what on any, and off. Yeah, band gets from people. They and that's right. Like do what they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you but, still are you aware of? Yeah, you know, how are your moods and how is your mental state at that at that uh, stage in terms of performance? Pretty good time. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but even though uh, bipolar is a chemical yes. uh, illness, um, still when you when you get it when you're actually feeling good and you know the endorphins whatever they all they do actually help. But you, you actually, still don't actually know about it at this point. No, 
Yeah. No, and yeah, yeah. it did crop up and did become a problem again. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, but all the early repertoire we had, very few of them were ever recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, bugger all, in fact. And to me, that's the favourite period of all the music I've done in my life was that the early swingers. Early swingers period, and all that material's kind of gone. And because um, we used to really cook, we used to yeah. really go for it. Just Bones and I would just go wild. Mm. And, and it's, yeah, because it's, it's that stripped back rockabilly punk, but also kind of post punk at the same time but it, pop, yeah, yeah 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 but instrumentation wise yeah yeah it's this it's this solid trio for band but it's very hard when you put a band together to not that it's a fatal mistake a lot of people make oh who should we sort of try and sound like you yeah, know yeah. big mistake number one yeah know? yeah yeah let's try and sound like ourselves a lot yeah, of people are yeah. afraid to do that yeah. right and it's very hard, you know, because bands like The Police, who were also a three-piece, were yes. around, right? And uh, it was kind of a trendy for a while there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, three-piece yeah, bands were kind of groovy, uh, but we did it just out of a sense of efficiency, really. Mm-hmm. It was just all I ever thought of was to have a good time. <laughs> we might, and, and we might get paid because there's fewer of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Might actually be able... Because we started playing live and we were getting paid and we played, we played often and yeah. constantly. And we actually, you know, like we didn't do brilliantly, but we didn't need day jobs. So you're hitting the pubs in New Zealand. Do you come over to Aussie to play? Do you go far? Kalinski hears about us again. He goes, mm. "Oh, fills up something," and he comes over. Uh, comes to a gig in Auckland at the. Uh, uh, I can't remember the place. Anyway, um, on the reel, yeah. and uh, and he says, "Okay, Phil, get the band together. You're off to Oz, you know." Yeah. And so, bang, and then again. For me, the same as it was with the ends, it was it was a, a deja vu situation of, of reality hitting. You know, like once you actually get knee deep in the music business and all the crap that goes with it, uh, that's where I get lost. Now, split ends are still very much needed to see at this point. They are touring and recording. They're about to hit, I guess, their commercial peak, 1980, with with. Um, yeah. The big kind of a lot of the really big songs. Yeah, and I got you. I think I got you was nineteen eighty, and then you know on from there for the next couple of years they have quite a few hits. Um, uh, what's your connection to Split Ends at that point? Are you actively listening? Are they in touch? Are you interested in what Not they're really. doing? They you know, came you're to removed. a few gigs. We pl- we did part of a New Zealand tour with them, supporting them. Yeah. Um, don't have any big memories of it. Yeah. Um, again, Tim and I. I was thinking, you know, oh, Tim and I can rekindle some sort of. Connection. Connection, but just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, sent male, alpha male, crap. You do, um, maybe we'll come to this, you you guys do write a couple, like work together again on... On my on, instigation. On, on, yeah, on a couple of solo records. Uh, yeah. One, I, you, he, you appear on one of Tim's solo yeah, records. He, he uh, when I was painting in the mid-80s, I mm. quit the music business again after mm. the swingers folded. You play some guitar or sing? Uh, out of the blue, I hadn't yeah. played anything for two mm. or three years. Uh, mm. I get a call from London, Tim saying, oh, Phil, what are you up to? And I'm saying, oh, I'm sitting here painting. Um, what do you want? He goes, oh, I'm lost, I'm, I'm depressed, you know, blah, 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 I need my mate back and all this sort of stuff. He was mm-hmm. really kind of like really pleading with me to come over and help him out mm-hmm. with this album. So I drop everything. I was working as a freelance illustrator as well. I drop everything I'm doing to go over there and help him. And I get there and there's nothing happening. (laughs) 
He's in the studio recording with the backing band and yeah. all I needed for is some overdubs and some finishing stuff and it's, I'm not needed for like a month. You know? yeah, yeah. And I was a bit sort of, oh, really? You know? <laughs> so Tim gives me some money and says, here, go away for a holiday, Phil, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I do a little trip around the Channel Islands and um, uh, started sort of, I remember I took an acoustic with me and I started kind of, because I was back in Mr. Music mode, yeah. thinking about having to play. And um, I'd read an article about a new Roland thing called a Roland guitar synth, and uh, I got Tim onto it, and he he got hold of one for me, mm. and I took that away with me, and uh, got got to grips with that, and I used a fair bit of that on Tim's album, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one of the first uses of a guitar synth. Yeah, that. right. So, but before that, what when you when the swingers is still happening, that's when you moved to Australia. Yeah, 1980. Yeah, and April you, May 1980. You've been here ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And then you make a solo record that you don't much like these days in the early 80s at the end of the swingers. What, no, happens, well, what happens with the swingers? Okay, the swingers, counting the beats, a massive hit, right? Australasia, yeah. uh, February 1981. Yeah. So you're uh, immediately. Gadinsky and Mushroom Records go, oh fuck, we've got a number one hit here. Yeah. We haven't got an album yeah. to sell on the back of. Yeah. Fuck. You know, like that's just the most stupid thing. Yeah. Because that's where you make the bucks, yeah. selling an album on the back of a hit single. You yeah. don't make much on a single. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we were already knee-deep in debt. Yeah. So uh, we go off to the music farm, one of the top studios in Australia, and just all set up with David Tickle to record, record yeah. you know, all expensive stuff. Yeah. And drummer fucking breaks his arm about the second day we're there. And so we, we pack up and go to Sydney. Um, and we've got to wait for his arm to heal, which is like two months. Yeah. And uh, fortunately for me, I get a call from uh, the director of um, a film called uh, Starstruck. Mm -hmm. We want, oh, we, Phil, we've got a, a musical uh, comedy film we're doing, we've made. We've just about finished you know like pre-production stuff we need some songs it's yeah. like fuck me what you thought about the music like <laughs> now you yeah. know so i'm locked in my hotel room for 10 days and got to write 10 songs which i do yeah and they're happy with them and that keeps me uh, busy yeah oh, and also some income yeah 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 and uh then we go off to the music farm record the album with tickle a lot of fun doing it great fun but uh just Again, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, not great. Um, really, it's really manic. I must have been in a manic phase because yeah. it just sounds manic to me. I can't listen to it. To yeah. Be really honest. Yeah. And uh, everybody just wanted more counting the beats. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, you're just basically ordered to write that again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and then we go off and promote touring around Australia, promoting the album. Um, it starts off well, we're getting gigs because, you know, sort of everybody, Gudinski says, oh, this is the Counting the Beat dudes, you know, it's like nine months a year later. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and not many people are coming to the gigs because that's what happens. It's kind of been and gone, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, and then I have a, a really bad breakdown and uh, lose all confidence and I ask Andrew McLennan to come and be front man because yeah. I just can't handle it. Yeah. I'm losing it. Yeah. 
and um, that last that that sort of goes okay. L write and learn a whole new repertoire with him. Tour for a couple of months. I get a call from Kaczynski. Phil, come into the come into the office and see me. I go in and he just puts it right on the table. He says, Phil, this is how much in debt you are. You've got to break up the band. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You owe too much money. It's all over. But you can't keep doing this. And what's sad is that some people like Bones still won't speak to me this day because he thinks I broke up the band so I could go and do a solo album. Right. Be Phil Judd, the mighty Phil Judd thing. But it wasn't like that at all. It was, I had no choice. Yeah. Um, and Gedinsky says to me, I'll give you I'll give you this much to go into a solo album. It was basics, it was bare bones, a basic studio in Auckland to go up with an engineer. You've got 30 yeah. days to record an album. Yeah. Just me and the engineer. Yeah. And uh, that was hell. Yeah. I, I had sort of learned how to play everything and do everything, pretty much. Do you have any fondness for... I mean, there's some good material on that, Private Lives. Well, it was all done under incredible duties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've talked to you a bit about that before, and I know you said, you, you know, it's hard to connect with it on any level because it was quite a tough time and a tough, a tough sort of... at all order to put it together. But have you ever gone back to it and gone, oh, there's some, there's some pretty good stuff here? Yeah, a couple of songs like Magic Hour, I think it's a good song, yeah. but um, just not executed satisfactorily. Yeah. And uh, Gadinsky comes in here and goes, <laughs> you know, Not what I wanted. Not what I wanted. Yeah. Still no counting the beat number two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he says, I tell you what, he's, he, and he gets in touch with um, Gerber, of all people. Is it Gerber? Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, he arranges Al Cooper to produce five or six of the tracks, and I think one or two new ones that I wrote. And um, I'm sent off to LA to record with Al Cooper and like the best studio musicians yeah. to record this half a dozen songs. Great experience, best pop in the world. Yeah. But um, but just I was basically told by Cooper to just go and sit in the foyer and smoke pot and just right. we'll call yeah. you in when we need you for the vocals <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had no say in wow. yeah. so it's the about arrangements about as removed as you can get from and something that's supposed to be yours yeah and yeah. sometimes you get people like Junos and stuff say oh you, you might need you could do with the producer um, <laughs> when would that ever come up? Phil? My, my mind <laughs> would, instantly goes back. That? My mind instantly goes back to all the producers I've worked with and how much they've fucked up every vision I ever had. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather gamble on myself these yeah, days, yeah. I'm afraid, Simon. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, who, who would have the? Who would ever say that to you these days? But I had some great experiences <laughs> that LA trip. Uh, I remember Al Cooper taking me out to the Black Suburbs because he was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we went to a gospel wow. church service. Yeah. And I, I just had shivers up and down my spine, listening, being in amongst them while they were singing, mm. not like a whole congregation. Mm. And then he, there's a song called "Dreaming Away" on that album yes. that. Um, that he had the best five male backing singers. You know, fa they were famous guys. Yeah, yeah. They'd sung on countless hits. Yeah, yeah. You know, wonderful harmonies. And um, I was just in awe. Just, that was a great experience that I'll never forget. And mm. also meeting um, Tony Bennett. Yeah, right. Just me and Tony wow. Bennett shooting hoops out the back of the studio <laughs> one day. He was down in the other <laughs> studio. He goes, oh, hey, hey, you, you. I mean, here's my accent. He goes, yeah. oh, you're from New Zealand, huh? And uh, we, it tells me stories about being in New Zealand, and that's a wonderful memory I have. Yeah. Hanging out with Tony Bennett for half an hour. 
Wow. Yeah. So um, that was all kind of all worth it for that in mm. hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. basically, it was fucked. Yeah. So one thing we've I've forgotten to bring up in, in your timeline is your cameo in one of the you know particularly these days. Uh, very well thought of New Zealand, uh, if not bands, then certainly the song. Um, but the suburban reptiles. You play on. You play with them. Well, put, no, I, I never you, joined them. No, no, no. I know that's what, that's what I say. It's a cameo, really. But uh, because Buster was with them, and Buster yeah. said, "This is before we formed. This is what led to forming the Swingers." Right. Yeah, yeah. And going yeah. and checking them out live. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I might sound harsh here, but they were basically pretty crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fine. <laughs> you know, I'm, I've said this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've but that song, from that song is, that song is iconic whatever, now. You know, whatever. But um, I rearranged the song and wrote melody, got melodic guitar parts for mm-hmm. it and stuff, and it turned out really well. I really, I still listen to it now. And yeah. again. I really well, that's like what I mean. That's a song that's really, it really stands up. It's got a kind of got a whole new audience 30 years later people arrive at it and go wow this was happening in New Zealand yeah. you know like but this. all the punks go oh it's overproduced yeah 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 because <laughs> okay. they only like stuff that sounds like shit you know <laughs> I don't get it I yeah, just yeah. don't get it yeah so you so we're, we're back at about when you quit when you quit music again you're into painting then you hook up with Tim. 83, yeah, and yeah. then 85, Tim says, come to London, yeah, yeah. Uh, have dinner with Tim and Greta Skarki yeah. and her father and Eddie. Yeah. Eddie's there recording, playing on yeah. uh, with Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's right. And Eddie and I um, have a few drinks and he starts saying, you know, which is very un-Eddie, you know, I feel, why don't we, when you come back, why don't you, because um, he'd like what I did on the, was yeah. doing with Tim. Yeah. And, um, so well, let's have a jam when we get back together. Maybe we can rustle up Noel and Nigel and the old farts and yeah. have a bit of a play. And yeah. so, and that's what happened. We came back, booked a rehearsal room, and we just went in and jammed. Yeah. And uh, we decided, yeah, let's do something. Let's make this something. And me being the main songwriter, I was given the burden, or the, not the burden, I won't say burden, um, I was given the responsibility of making the jam sessions into songs, yeah, which mean doing much more work at home, listening yeah. to tapes and finding stuff out, finding the bit that really works, and yeah, than just being in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. And there's a business meeting about the finances, as there is with bands. Yeah. You know, how are we <laughs> going to do this? They all vote for an equal split. Yeah, uh, uh, Eddie's not happy with that. He's out. Yeah. He goes, no, I'm not being part of something where I don't make the most money. Actually, bye. Well, he's done that already <laughs> with Split Ends, I suppose, in his mind. I know. When it's wrapped up, me, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point of, of view, course, of course. I have to be a little bit harsh about this and just say, you know, I, I did 80% of the fucking work, guys. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, wrote the lyrics, wrote the melodies, structured this fucking shit and did yeah. this and that and the other. And what you, I ended up getting 25% of nothing anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. We got had that was the the last days of mega record deals, like yeah. quarter of a million deal we've yeah. had from EMI Germany. Yeah. Uh, uh, great English producers, Wynn Stanley and Langer. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was all good, but um, again, it just didn't. So, but before before Schnell Fence, do you fall into a bit of? This is where you kind of really fall into doing this film soundtrack work. 
Yes. Mid to late 80s. And so 87, you, I did yeah. my first. No, well, 81, I did the, the work. I did a bit of yeah, yeah. stuff on Starstruck as yeah. well. Yeah. And then I thought that that might lead somewhere, but it kind of didn't. Mm. Um, and are you kind of hoping it would? Like you, yeah, because yeah. I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. And you're writing for something specific. Yeah. And it's dif- it's difficult, and it, I really like that. You it know? focused you as a writer. And um, it was just new turf, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and a director, well-known Aussie director, Nadia Tass. Um, like what I was doing, and she gave me the film, the full score. To um, I'd done a few bits and pieces with a film called Ricky and Pete that Eddie was also involved in, mm. but um, she gave me her next film, uh, which was called The Big Steel. It was the first full score I did, yeah. And um, I'm chuffed to say I won best film score for that, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, this is great, you know, um, I'm successful at something at last. <laughs> You know, I'm not a tosser after all. And uh, but the work just didn't come. And Chris, Chris, my manager at the time, sort of says things to me like, "Well, that's what happens. You know, people think that you're going to be too expensive, so you Uh, don't get any work." Yeah, crazy. So Stelfitz and I did Death in Brunswick. Oh yeah, yeah. Our wonderful John Clark. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, obviously, because of his, his, you know, sad news of him passing. But yeah, you did that. You did a film called Amy. That was much later, ninety seven. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like did a whole lot of underground kind of yeah, films, yeah, yeah. eight ball. And Some good films. They're quite low key in the sense of like maybe people well, like don't most know Aussie them. Films, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Films are low yeah, key, low yeah. budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd get a budget of between twenty and thirty grand. Right. It would cost me twenty or thirty grand to record to it. it. Yeah, I'd yeah. go home with like a grand in my yeah. pocket, you know. Yeah, but yeah. two months' work, it was just hopeless. Yeah, yeah. So some artistic fulfilment in some sense, but not a financial yeah. one at all. No. And then, so Stelfenster, this happens at the end of the 80s and into the 90s. 87. Yep. Record comes out in 88. And the second record comes out in 90. 90. Yep. And I'm a big fan of the stuff and you're kind of baffled by that. You don't have a hugely happy... No, that's that's because I'm, I'm subsumed by the experience. Yes. And not be. Um, I, and unfortunately, see, I see the negatives b- before. And you also get your diagnosis around this time. Yes, in '91, when the Chanel's kind of failed, and uh, and uh, other some other shit that went on, I had a full mental collapse. Ended up in a psych ward for an MR. Yeah. Uh, was diagnosed as bipolar finally, and yeah. thrown onto lithium, which was just the most horrible experience of my life. So lithium works for some people, and it didn't for me. Made me really crook. Right. For how long? Like, and for how long did you work through that? Six months. Yeah. Um, I came out of the psych thing. Strangely enough, I actually sent off my best friend in uh, in Japan. Um, I sent off a copy of this orchestral suite. Of this suite I wrote. Um, I went. I was on a high when I came out of this, the, the psych of the breakdown, mm. as often as the case. Yeah. Um, I was back on the planet, and um, uh, for six months, I just intensely wrote orchestral music. I wrote a trumpet concerto, piano concerto, a whole bunch of woodwind stuff that still all exists on cassette today, all done with MIDI and keyboards back yeah. then. There was yeah, no hard yeah. recording then. Yeah. Um, so I've still got all that lying about, and... Um, but that also taught me a lot about the process and stuff about um, working with orchestras and you know yeah. what you learn doing that. Yeah, which was good. But, so what happens after? Well, Stelfenster, you do you do a tour with Crowded House 
of New Zealand. Yeah, that was that, Aussie, that would have been best good. Best tour. Yeah. A lot of fun with Hester yeah. and me, we yeah. both mad as each other and uh, got on like a house on fire. And yeah, so you're talking like half of split ends between those two bands. Various versions. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a lot yeah, of exits. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of fun was had. Yeah. A lot of egg throwing. Yeah. <laughs> like major battles. Yeah, yeah. Going out and buying cartons of eggs. Yeah. You know, like. Full on. Mad. And like. Their van and our van chasing each other through New Zealand, <laughs> hurling eggs at each other. So uh, pretty, pretty uh, yeah. bad. And stuff. then, and then um, you take what? A, a, well, you don't take a break from music because you're doing the film school stuff into the nineties. But you, Schnellfenster wraps up. Yeah. Because it's not working for you. Or. As the actual uh, my, bad my fifteen-year-old daughter from New Zealand. Uh, isn't getting on with her mother and gives me a call one day saying, Dad, I'm going to come and live with you. So suddenly I've got a teenage girl right. on my doorstep and I'm a solo parent. Yeah. Uh, being in a band, it's, it's a non-fit. So I just had to pull the plug. I had to sort and of say, I'm sorry, I can't do it anymore because I've got... And battling with, what, a diagnosis of medication and stuff, like working out. And the band was failing. Yeah. Yeah. We were starting to lose money. Yeah. Albums weren't selling. We were already like half a million dollars in debt, and the irony is, which seems that, crazy when you listen to those albums. Well, maybe, maybe that's just my blind spot because I was the same young thing when with I the swingers. Them, the swingers, we were equal mm. royalty split. Mm. And what happens is, when a band breaks up and it owes money, who are they going to get that money out of? Yes. Not the not the other guys. The guy that is the songwriter yeah. spends the next ten years of his life, which is what I did, paying off the debts I had accrued. Mm. Mm. For the others, yeah. it just isn't fair. Yeah, um, yeah. But they don't see that; they just don't. And uh, so, anyway, yeah. So you you're looking after your daughter, and you're doing film scores where you can, and a lot of theatre. And the, yeah, and that TV. was my phase of theatre. And uh, ninety five, ninety five, I get offered a TV series and they go, oh, this is the budget and I'm going to spend all the budget fucking again going yeah. to the studio. And then I hear about this new thing called Pro Tools and hard disk recording and I've never been a great technophile, like mm. sort of that interested in it, but I just go, fuck this, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm yeah. going to get myself, spend some money, get myself the gear and learn how to do it. Yeah. And I can do it on my own and keep the money. You know, make a living out of it, for God's sake. And that's what I did. Yeah. And um, I did a TV series called Good Guys, Bad Guys, and I did Amy the movie. Yeah. Um, and then I did 130 episodes of a crap TV cop show called Stingers, uh, which was hell. So that was working seven days a week for four yeah. years. Pretty sh is that like really sort of short, sharp cues? And that, well, that was like a 45-minute of actual yeah. show, yeah, yeah, and the average episode would have 30 minutes of music, like right. nearly the whole episode. But it's little bits, oh, just yeah. constant and car yeah. chases and stuff. Yeah. And I'd have to do that every week for an yeah. episode. And you're doing, you're being briefed on the episode coming out two weeks away. You're yeah. doing the music for that episode that week, yeah. plus you're doing the fix-ups that the producers aren't happy with from yeah, the yeah. previous week. It's yeah. just a nightmare. Yeah. But of course, the money's good. Yeah, yeah. So you work through that because that's a good pay. Yeah, and I just stick with it doggedly because I've remarried. Yep. Got a baby boy. Yep. So that's a good job to have. Yeah, it's good. It's, and, yeah. you know, I do the bloke thing and yeah. fucking knuckle down. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, and then I basically implode after four, four, four and a half years of doing that. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't hack it anymore. Yeah. And that was it. That's the last time I've ever worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've worked on your own projects and yeah. put stuff out, but you yeah. need, yeah, yeah, holding a, an actual yeah. like, being job. Being told what to being do by a bunch of ningnons. So you fall by an idea that you don't want to do that again for that reason. You don't want to... I just stuck it to, I'm kind of that fucked up, I'm that kind of person, I cannot be told, bear being told that a piece of music's not good enough by some drongo. Who could do it themselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't hack it. Okay. So, painting and stuff, does that come back again? Uh, Yeah, I do, I paint, uh, I start painting seriously and I I go off in a different direction from the super real stuff. And meanwhile, I've got work in the Victoria National Gallery. I've sold work during the 80s. That career was starting to kind of happen. You've done the record covers too, like... Like yeah, the shell yeah, ones yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Coconut yeah, rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some other, it's right, some other ones. Um, and I do a whole series of uh, what what have now come kind of known as the Head Up the Bum series. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did about 12 of them over two years. Yeah. Working, had myself a studio and was working seriously on those. Wanted yeah. to have a whole exhibition of them, but it never happened. Yeah. But then, then again, that's what happens sometimes. Things have a cycle and, you know, they pop their... Mm. heads as it were up um, all this time later and have come in valuable as good artwork for what I do now <laughs> yeah yeah then you release a solo album in the mid 2000s T- 2004 yeah uh, I have relationship problems again in 2002 I start yeah. drinking heavily yeah um, I lose the plot um because of the drinking or because of what's going on that the drinking is yeah taking you away from or whatever yeah 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 midlife late midlife crisis second midlife crisis yeah yeah um uh and uh i i just it just dawns on me one day i haven't used the studio for two years it's just sitting here with all the gear and it and stuff yeah and i go because I'd sort of taught myself into like I'm a, I was a fa- I'm a failure as a songwriter and a singer and guitarist and stuff. I just sort of psychologically had taught myself into thinking I, not one band I was ever in was I successful. And <laughs> yeah, right. And your yeah, and your well, Split Ends were arguably successful, but maybe yeah. not in your iteration. There's been moments, but uh, and it depends as what, a whole. I mean, but it depends what you like. I mean, you must be well aware of how. Uh, Maybe maybe it hasn't done a whole lot for you financially, but you must be well aware of how people think of a, a record like Mental Notes now. There are a lot of people uh, that there are a lot of people that think, think it's, it's think it's I don't know. Um, there are a lot of people that think of that as one of the great New Zealand albums, or yeah. just one of the great albums, even you know. Yeah, it's, well, they're all mad, aren't they? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, 2004. I I just uh, just start on a writing spree again, writing songs, and I go, fuck, this is easy. Three minutes, I can cope with this. It's better yeah. than doing half an hour's fucking car chases, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm having fun. I'm coming up with good ideas for songs and you know, things to write about. Yeah. Self-deprecation being yes. the main thing. I was going to say you create this sort of persona for the album. Yeah. For the videos. Holding for up for the, the mirror songs. and shitting on myself. And, and it's the and it's a very overt referencing of the Vaudevillian stuff that we talked about earlier too. Like that's never gone away. That's a th- a thread, but that's you kind of addressing yeah. that as part of the self-deprecation. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and you well, make and you make a great record. That's a great. Oh you know, well, thanks, but. Um, uh, and what does it do? Disappear with a trace apart from die-hard fans yeah, like sell it. Sell a thousand yeah. copies. Yeah. yeah. But believe it or not, because I do everything myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I shouldn't really be saying this, but I will. Uh, you know, like in, in the old days, they'd have to sell. Or two hundred thousand copies of yeah, the album yeah. as, as member of a band to make anything like ten grand, twenty yeah. grand. You'd have to yeah. sell like half, quarter of a million records. Yeah, yeah. I sell a thousand copies of Novelty Act and pocket the twenty bucks a copy each. Yeah, I get twenty grand yeah. just like that. So I thought, oh, this is good. But um, but. but Obviously, a lot of people who multi um, had had enough and um, haven't so, yeah, got the same say, number. So have bought when you do it again a couple of years later, you don't reap that kind no, of love is a moron. Another good record, but maybe it was too much the same too no. soon for some people, right? I'm, I'm then, and you know, in my mid fifties, and I'm and and I'm cool, calm, and collected, and I've just thought to myself, well, this is better than what a lot of people have to do. Yeah. Um, and so stop your winching, Phil. You know, it's yeah. not about the money. It's it's about doing what you do best. You yeah. Know? So I just keep doing it with that attitude. Get up each day and just. And right around the same time. Is it exactly at the same time, or right around the same time as Love Is War, and you make the Unthinkables record? With so Roger, at, or pretty much at the same yeah, time. Yeah, 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 with Roger Grierson. Yeah. That's, a, that's a kind of sound collage you know, that's not, not really a recognisably Phil Judd record, but people who have always known and listened to your stuff might spot you in there. But it's. Yeah, kind, well, you're yeah, kind of hiding Three or four that. of the backing tracks are actually stuff that I'd already yeah, yeah, had yeah, as yeah, backing yeah. tracks, yeah. and the rest were done with Roger. Yeah. But, um, but it's not as overtly. Phil Judd as the two records that have come out. Yeah, but like, mainly because I'm not singing on the exactly. Track. So it's a, it's like a sample and collage thing. As soon as I sing on something, it's, it's screws it up you. completely. <laughs> <laughs> so when's the instrumental album coming out? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the next one? Yeah. <laughs> so then you do that. What what comes next? Play it strange and play unique. it strange in 2014, and then uh, unique in 2016, and and maybe. Early 2018 will be uh, This Is Then and That Was Now. And is that the and final record, or you're not going to say it's the final record now? Oh, I don't. I've been you, saying that. For that's what I was going to say. Love Is a Moron was the final record. As long as I can sell roughly 300 copies and it pays for the pressing and the effort and a few beers along the way, mm. uh, I'm happy. Mm. Mm. Um, and just have, uh, like I say to myself, it's you know, it's all very well having millions of fans that really like you but to have a handful of people that really love you yeah uh, just that get something from it that yeah. connect with you because yeah. you you, you um, have got some correspondence they with just, some fans you know, and stuff they have yeah. that tangible thing where yeah. you just connect with somebody's yeah. music as we all do everybody yeah. has their thing yeah um, and I I'm have, I'm lucky enough to have 300 odd that do so yeah. that's great yeah can't complain um, and you gave up playing live a long time ago, really yeah. at the end of the Stelfinster uh, well, stuff. Well, I have. You've had, you've had help, two. Help yeah. issues. Yeah. But is um, it really the Stelfinster's the last time that you play live? Yeah. Also, uh, if I didn't have the health issues, I, uh, you know, I don't have management, agent, yeah. all that stuff. It all costs money. I don't yeah. have the money. Yeah. Put a band together even to hire yeah. a rehearsal room and do all that stuff. I just don't have the, the mm. resources to do it. It's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not 
connected really to any of the split edses or ex split edses apart from a couple of people from the very early days that Wally still in touch with. Wally and Miles Golding are uh, lovable mates yeah. still to this day. Yeah, yeah. and you've worked together. And, and we've worked together and will continue to do so. Yeah, which is pretty pretty cool and pretty important for you. Yeah, well, yeah. two out of 12 ain't bad. <laughs> no, I'm thinking in terms of the, the span of that friendship, though, and, and musical connection, it's, that's a long time. It is good to be able to still have somebody that you relate to, yeah. and when you get together, it just clicks. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say much. It just bang, you know what each other's doing and yeah. what to do. Yeah. It's magic again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not painting because you've, just, you've made the decision you want to work on music, and you've said, you said to me before we recorded that. Oh, too old. It's too hard to jump from one thing to the other to keep those two things in your yeah. head. You get a fulfilment kind of yeah, straight away people from... People go, why don't you? Yeah. You know, oh, why don't you get up and paint one day and then go and make some music the next? Well, fuck me. Yeah, it's yeah. like going shoveling shit one day and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. being a bank manager the next. Yeah, yeah. It's totally different yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, is there anything else you want to talk about? You've taken me through... Your, I guess, professional and, 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 and hobbyist timeline as a musician and as an artist. Is there anything you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? No. I feel. Um, are you okay? Have you been okay with going through this yeah. stuff? Yeah. I feel like, um, uh, you know, every time we've we've talked, which is only it's the first time we've actually met. We've talked a couple of times on the phone. Uh, we've had a bit of correspondence over the years. Um, I feel like you've been. Very indulgent um, for you know, very uh, what's the word? Accommodating of my indulgence and my whim of wanting to talk to you about what you do. I don't know if you enjoy going well, going through know, the going through the past. Your but heart's in it. Um, I can tell when somebody's heart's in it. Yeah. Uh, if, if you were some DJ from Triple Fucking Whatnot, I would. That wanted shit. a sound bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. ca- I can't do that. Yeah. That's been my downfall as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to say on um, on tape for what it's worth. I know I've said this to you before, but thanks for, for for so much of the music that's kind of been a big soundtrack to my life. And I know there are other, I know a lot of people that feel the same way. So I'm gonna try and say it on behalf of them as well. But thanks, thanks so much for taking us through this and 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 for really all that you've done. Thank you. Oh, chances are, there's not that much to know.